Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Matthew. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this morning to the P40 Ministries podcast and also for all of your wonderful reviews on Apple Podcasts. I looked recently and I have quite a few reviews and they are all splendid. So thank you guys so much for uh, sharing the podcast and for promoting it and for rating it five stars. I really greatly appreciate that because the more you rate the podcast and the more you share it, the more people can find it. Higher rated podcasts. Uh, show up quicker on different platforms than lower rated podcasts, which makes a lot of sense. So thank you guys for your excellent reviews. I greatly do appreciate that. So today we are going to be reading Matthew chapter 26 verses 1 through 13. We are going to be discussing the start of Jesus's death and resurrection. And so today I will be reading out of the WEB version of the Bible, but you go ahead and read out of whatever version But you guys go ahead and read out of whatever version you prefer, but make sure to grab that cup of coffee. Unfortunately, (laughs) my coffee is out. I have to go to the grocery store. We are completely without food right now. My husband asked me last night, he's like, what can we eat for dinner? And I'm like, I literally have no clue. I don't know what to make. So I have to go grocery shopping today and I'm out of coffee. Unfortunately, I don't have anything to drink this morning, but that's all right. I will have some soon. Once I'm done recording, I'm planning on going over and getting some of that delicious coffee. So you go ahead and grab your coffee and let's go ahead and start reading. When Jesus had finished all these words, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas. They took counsel together that they might take Jesus by deceit and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest a riot occur among the people. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, A woman came to him, having an alabaster jar of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw this, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. However, knowing this, Jesus said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? She has done a good work for me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. For in pouring this ointment on my body, she did it to prepare me for the burial." Most certainly, I tell you, wherever this good news is preached to the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of as a memorial of her. Matthew 26 starts out by talking about Jesus and all of the words he had said to his disciples in both Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25. If you were listening to the previous episodes on P40 Ministries, you would have remembered that 24 and 25 are both talking about Jesus coming back in the end times. He was telling the disciples all about the end times and what's going to happen and what they should look out for and everything like that. 
So after basically he preached all of these things to his disciples, it says here in verse one of Matthew 26 that Jesus finished everything he was saying to his disciples. And then he said to them, you know that soon after the Passover, that the son of man is going to be delivered up and to be crucified. Now, it's interesting that Matthew here, the author of Matthew, didn't mention anything that the disciples said after this. And maybe the disciples didn't say anything. Maybe they were so perplexed and confused about everything that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24 and 25 that they were just stunned, speechless, pretty much. I don't know. But we do know that Matthew doesn't mention them saying anything after Jesus is like, so I'm going to be crucified in two days. If somebody said that to me, I would be like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? But no, the disciples... Yes, they probably were hearing that Jesus was going to die for some time, but it is clear throughout the scriptures that the disciples didn't understand. They did not understand what Jesus was saying. Even though Jesus was pretty uh, clear that he was going to be crucified, perhaps just their thoughts of Jesus being this great king and this Messiah were just overtaking the truth of what Jesus was saying in their minds. They were just so confident that Jesus was going to be this uh, great king and this person who saves them from the Roman Empire that they just were unable to really process what Jesus was saying and that Jesus's purpose was not to save the Israelite nation from the Romans, but to save the entire world from their own sins, basically. And now in verse three, it says that it kind of goes away from Jesus for a moment and it starts talking about the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people and even the high priest now was involved with all of this. The high priest was the only person that was allowed in the most holy of holy places in the temple. The high priest was, uh, he he had the most special role kind of as the priest. And so um, it says that even the high priest was involved with all of this All of these elders and all of these Pharisees just couldn't stand Jesus. They hated him. They hated Jesus because of the truth that was uh, coming out of Jesus's mouth about them. They didn't like hearing that they were Pharisees. I mean, that was their their title, but the way Jesus talked about them as being Pharisees, as being hypocrites, play actors, uh, a brood of snakes, Satan's sons, like these were the things Jesus said to. So Jesus was not super polite sometimes when he was talking to and about the Pharisees. He was sometimes pretty harsh with them because that's what they needed to hear. We talked about that a few chapters back when we when Jesus was giving that huge speech to the Pharisees, calling them Satan's sons and hypocrites and just all of these uh, really crazy things. And Jesus was saying this to the Pharisees because that was his last chance to like pound some sense into them before he died. So he became very harsh in those last moments because He cared about the Pharisees. In fact, Jesus loved the Pharisees. As interesting as that sounds, Jesus did, in fact, love the Pharisees. He died for them, too, if you think about it. So even though Jesus condemns their behavior, he loved the person. He loved who the Pharisee himself was as the person because Jesus loves everybody and God loves everybody. God loves the person but does not love what they are doing sometimes. And Jesus, in fact, did not love the way the Pharisees were treating other people. And claiming that it was of God that they were treating these people 
in this particular way. Jesus couldn't stand that. And so Jesus is being super harsh with the Pharisees at that time because he wanted them to repent. He wanted them to think about some of the stuff they were doing and be like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be treating these people this way and rather I should be loving them rather than taking from them, taking from the widows and whatever else the Pharisees were doing. So Jesus did in fact love the Pharisees, but the Pharisees hated Jesus because of all of these things that Jesus was saying. And they were also super jealous of Jesus. They couldn't stand Jesus because of the amount of popularity that he had and how the people flocked to him and how he was able to heal them and do these miracles that the Pharisees were unable to do because Jesus was Jesus. He was God. He was able to do these miraculous signs and wonders. And the Pharisees were so upset about this. They wanted to be able to do all that stuff as well and could not. So it says here that they decided to gather together with the high priest to try to uh, lure Jesus in in some deceitful way and kill him. I think that that verse is actually kind of funny. It says that in verse four, it says to take Jesus by deceit and to kill him. Just their reactions around Jesus and stuff. The amount of times that they tried to deceive Jesus never worked. So how are they thinking that they are going to deceive Jesus into killing Jesus? I mean, they've had probably a hundred or more interactions with him at this point where Jesus is unable to be deceived. And somehow they still think that they are going to be able to deceive Jesus in order to kill him. And the other verse here, verse five, is actually kind of interesting as well. It says here that they said not during the feast, though, because riots might occur among the people. They wanted to avoid a riot with the people. They knew how much the people liked Jesus. They were very upset at how much the people liked Jesus because, you know, they were jealous of that, but they were scared of the people. They didn't want the people to riot. And they knew that during the Passover feast, the people would riot if a great a prophet like Jesus in their minds or the Messiah in their minds was killed in some way by the high priest. So they didn't want to cause a riot during the Passover feast and kill him during that time. But why I think that that is so funny is that's exactly what happened. First off, they didn't end up deceiving Jesus into killing him. He went willingly. And secondly, they did, in fact, kill him during the Passover feast because the Passover was an entire uh, I think it was seven days long, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly. The Passover was a long time. It spread out over multiple days. They did, in fact, kill Jesus during the Passover festivals. They were just so wrong. They were not in control of anything, even though they were coming together thinking they had all this power and control and all this stuff. They were in control of nothing because they didn't deceive Jesus and they still killed him during the Passover festival. So that's why I think those verses are a little bit interesting interesting and kind of funny. So it says here, it goes back to Jesus now in verse 6 through 13. And it says that Jesus goes to Bethany and he ends up staying in this house of Simon the leper. Now we aren't exactly sure who Simon the leper is. It was probably somebody that Jesus healed of leprosy. And Simon the leper was also likely a person who had 
a lot of authority. Perhaps he was an elder. Perhaps he was a priest. Something like that. Some people even say that Simon the leper was actually Judas's father, though there isn't a whole ton of information on that. But some people like to say that. So we aren't exactly sure in scripture who Simon the leper is, but he was probably a friend of Jesus and was probably healed by Jesus of the leprosy. And so he probably wasn't a leper at this point because lepers were not allowed to host people in their homes. That was against the uh, the law. And so Simon the leper was definitely not a leper at this point in time, but he probably kept that name with him because he might have been a leper for a long, long time and just kept that name. It just became a nickname for him. So Simon the leper is hosting Jesus and the disciples. And it says here that a woman came to Jesus having an alabaster jar of very expensive ointment or perfume. And it says that she poured the ointment on his head as he sat at the table eating. So this woman, who we find out later on is actually Mary, not not the mother of Jesus, but another Mary. We find out that this woman, Mary, had a beautiful, expensive jar of alabaster perfume. And I actually talked about this in uh, my Alive Coloring books. I discussed this particular uh, passage of scripture in the Alive Coloring books. But I mentioned also that the alabaster jar itself was extremely valuable because alabaster is a very beautiful, creamy white stone, but it's a little bit more on the brittle side. So it's easier to break. And so just the jar itself would have been a very special thing to have. And the perfume would have been worth around a year's wages. So we can think of a year's wages as almost like a brand new Lexus, like a car. This woman, Mary, was giving a brand new car to Jesus if we think about it in our modern day. So she was giving Jesus something super expensive and all of it. She didn't even hold back the jar. She broke the jar and anointed Jesus with the contents that was inside the jar. So she gave every single bit of that to Jesus. She didn't even hold back the jar and sell the jar. She gave it all. And so it says here that the disciples saw her pour out this perfume on Jesus and they were indignant but one in particular was indignant and we find that out later on as well and that was actually Judas Iscariot was indignant over the fact that Mary had poured this expensive beautiful perfume onto Jesus because (laughs) Judas was actually the treasurer and 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 we'll learn all this later but Judas was actually the treasurer and he was upset because he wanted Mary to sell the perfume And give it the money, apparently, quote unquote, to the poor. But what Judas probably actually wanted was Mary to sell the perfume and give the money to him as the treasurer so that he could, you know, take a little bit out here and there and line his own pockets with the money from the treasury. And so he was indignant over the fact that Mary wasted, apparently, apparently wasted this perfume on Jesus rather than selling it so that he could get the money for it. So it says here that Jesus knew what Judas had said, and he says, why do you trouble this woman? And some versions actually are much harsher. There are some versions that say, leave the woman alone, or leave Mary alone, or why are you doing this? You know, there are some versions that really cut deep. So Jesus publicly humiliated Judas and he says, why are you troubling this woman? She has done good work for me. And he says, you are always going to have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. He just explained 
a chapter before about how we were supposed to as Christians and how his disciples were supposed to give to the poor and give freely to uh, people who need it. But he's saying here, I'm going to be dead in two days. I will not always be with you. And what Mary here has done has been a beautiful and wonderful thing. She has been anointing my body for my uh, upcoming death and burial. She has anointed me. And uh, I didn't really look up the purpose of anoint anointing back in Jesus's day, but it was a very significant thing. Kings were anointed and priests were anointed and everything like that. Jesus was not anointed until this point where Mary came and gave Jesus a beautiful amount of expensive perfume. And so it says here that Jesus is saying that she did it to prepare me for my burial. And in verse 13, which is such a beautiful verse, he says here, most certainly I tell you, wherever the good news is preached in the entire world, this woman will be remembered for what she has done and it will be a memorial for her. So Jesus loved her and loved her gift so much that we still talk about it to this day. I am talking about it to you guys right now. And there are other people all over the world talking about it uh, when they preach the gospel. So this woman was really blessed because she was given such a wonderful gift that she will be remembered forever until Jesus returns because of what she did here for Jesus. So our gifts to Jesus are not in vain. He loves them. He loves us. He wants our gifts. And when we do it out of a sincere heart, like Mary did when she was doing that because she really loved Jesus, we too are blessed by Jesus. When we give things to Jesus with a sincere heart, we too are blessed just as Mary is. So don't ever think that your gifts to God from a sincere heart are done in vain because they're not. God sees them. God loves them. So give your all. Give your best to everything that you do. Not necessarily money, but maybe with your time, maybe with your resources, maybe, I don't know, whatever it is that you can give, make sure that you give with a sincere heart heart because God loves it and God sees it. So friends, this was Matthew 26 verses 1 through 13. Join me on Thursday and we will discuss 14 probably through 25 or 26 or something like that. And uh, we'll talk more about this chapter of the Bible on Thursday. And we are going to be getting into some heavy things as we talk about Jesus's crucifixion. One thing I actually thought that was kind of interesting was because Passover is happening now here in the next couple chapters or so, I found it interesting that we are going to be discussing the first ever Passover in Exodus in the next couple chapters as well. It's so interesting how that lined up. I wanted Matthew to line up with Easter, but I'm seeing now that it's it's actually lining up with the Passovers, and I find that so fascinating. So it kind of worked out really, really cool. So we are also going to be discussing Exodus chapter 5, I think, tomorrow. So join me then as well at 6 a.m. But friends, if you didn't get a chance to look at my brand new book that I just published, I would love for you guys to take a look at it. It is all about Joseph and the story of Joseph. It is a workbook and Bible study on the life of Joseph, specifically meant for women who are struggling with depression or purposelessness, which is what I was struggling with when I wrote it. And so I hope that it touches you guys. I hope that you guys love it and that uh, it helps you through a lot of different things that you are struggling with. So take a look at that. I will drop a link to that in the bio of this podcast episode. But friends and faithful listeners, as always, happy listening and God bless.